Good morning. Good morning. All right, you all about half asleep for that one. Let's try that again. Good morning. Good morning. There you go. You all are always better on the second time. You can tell uh, from the decorations, from the flowers in front of me, the tree back behind me, what season we've entered into here at Nineveh. Uh, it is just about Christmas season. I don't know about you, but for me, it seems hard to believe that we are less than a month away from celebrating Christmas. A lot of things going up. It, it seems like it happens at once, right? You, you drive through town and all of a sudden the whole place is decorated with all the lights and, and trees and uh, decorations. They had the uh, Christmas parade in town. I think that was last night. Uh, and uh, we, we, we're in full swing Christmas mood uh, mode down here at Nineveh also. Uh, ladies, we had the ladies' tea this past Friday night. That's always a big Christmas uh, party. Uh, we also, <clears throat> Christmas for us at Nineveh always means uh, some Christmas sponsorship programs. We always buy presents. We had a couple of our men from the church that went Friday and took kids or uh, presents for 109 kids down to eastern Kentucky this Friday, uh, kids that we've sponsored in Wolf County. Uh, we've, we've, uh, we're going to be sponsoring some Anderson County kids as well, and so things are in full swing as far as uh, Christmas around here goes. Make sure to check your bulletins for the things that are coming up. There's a middle school Christmas party and several things that are in your bulletins, things that are coming up as we're celebrating uh, the Christmas season. There's a lot of things that we make Christmas into sometimes, and a lot of times I hear uh, the church, when the church talks about Christmas, sometimes the church gets upset a little bit about Christmas and has kind of a, a, little, uh, a little bit of a, a problem with the way that the world has turned Christmas into so many other things, and it's become about commercialism, and it's become about uh, things that it really was never meant to be about, and yet I hope that we don't miss that there's still a great deal of joy and importance, and uh, there, there's something wonderful about Christmas. Maybe it's not in the place that we've made it. Maybe it's not in, in what culture thinks Christmas is or what the world has turned Christmas into. But when we look at Scripture and see what Christ did through Christmas, we realize there is a great deal for us to celebrate. And, and I hope that you and your family are blessed in your celebration of Christmas this year. And so as we start today, let's start by looking at a portion of Matthew's account of the Christmas story. In Matthew chapter 1, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. That's the first of our two passages we're going to look at today. This is Matthew chapter 1, and this is part of Matthew's account. We get basically what we know as the Christmas story is in either Matthew or Luke. Today we're going to look at a little bit of both, and we're going to start with Matthew's account, uh, and he's, he's going to tell us about Joseph. So let's start there. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. It says, this is the birth of Jesus. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. 
Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place, Matthew tells us, to fulfill what the Lord had said through his prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. May God bless the reading of his word today. Today, I want us to start with, uh, as we're in the month of December, as we're less than a month away from Christmas, I want us to focus today on the celebration of Christmas. I want us to focus today on what the real reason is for us to celebrate Christmas. Now, how many of you have had your tree up, your Christmas tree up? How many of you already have it up? Right? We're just brand new into December, so most of you should be on the ball at this point. Now, this is where you get a lot of the dividing line here. How many of you had your tree up before Thanksgiving? Go ahead. You all are a little on the ridiculous side, I believe. <laughs> Usually I'm holding on until the, like the day after Thanksgiving, and then I just say, okay, whatever y'all want to do, go ahead. Uh, how many of you all had it up? A long, long before Thanksgiving. Anybody? Uh, Mixmas has been playing Christmas music since like the end of October. And some of you have had it on in your car since then. Yeah. Um, my wife starts the Christmas stuff at our house very early. We had some sickness this year, so we didn't even get started quite as early as we, we sometimes do. But it's in full swing. And I think it's a wonderful reminder for the church. All these things around us, yeah, they can become too much, but if they keep us focused on what's most important about Christmas, then I think it's a wonderful blessing for us. Today, here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to look at this story of Joseph that we just read, and we're going to talk about the Christmas story through an interesting perspective that God's been revealing to me. Today, here's the first line in your notes. Christmas is a celebration of family. I'll tell you what I mean in a moment. Christmas is a celebration of family. If you asked everybody in this room of all the holidays throughout the year, what is your favorite holiday? About 80% of those would say Christmas. And I think I know why. It's because Christmas is our longest celebrated holiday of the year. Think about it. A lot of days are just one day. You know, you celebrate 4th of July, but that's really just the one day. Maybe a long weekend. You've got Labor Day weekend. You've got some of those that are weekend holidays. But we basically give our celebration of Christmas like an entire month. Every year, Emmy and I have this conversation about all the things we're trying to do for Christmas and all the things that her family wants to schedule and my family wants to schedule. And I always come to the same conclusion. I have no problem with all of the things. It's just we only have one month to squeeze them all into. 
It's between Thanksgiving and Christmas. There's a lot of stuff that goes on, and sometimes our calendars are full. Sometimes that makes us distracted by all of the things that are going on. But we take this whole month to, to celebrate this one holiday. And yes, that means more presents, and that means more commercialism, and that means more of the things that we tend to make Christmas that really are beside the point of the holiday. But it also means that we spend more time with our families. It also means that we have more traditions and, and we, we have more time off, sometimes because it's a big celebrated holiday. And we, have, we plan more things with those that we love. And I would say that most people who love Christmas as a holiday would say that they love it because they have years of memories and traditions that they have shared with those that they love. For the same reasons, that's also why Christmas is especially hard for a lot of people. When we do our grief share group for those who have lost loved ones, there's a whole special uh, session all about surviving the holidays after losing a spouse or losing a loved one because it's one of the most difficult times of the year because for the same reason, because we filled this month full of family activities and family traditions and get-togethers with all the, you know, you see people sometimes that you don't see other parts of the year, and everybody comes together. And so sometimes when we lose a spouse, when we lose a child, when we lose a parent, a grandparent, how, whoever it may be, these become some of the most difficult days to walk through because they are filled with family and they are filled with those love and, and traditions and memories and all of those things. And even all the way back to the original Christmas story, the story of Mary and Joseph and Jesus, this is a story of family. God is bringing together a family, not a traditional family, a family who will give life to the Savior of the world. And notice in your notes, this is the next line. For Joseph, this family started with a choice. This family started with a choice. You know, most of us would say uh, we, we didn't really get the chance to choose our families, right? That's not really something that we had. I don't know how, how we would, you know, maybe, maybe you've got a pretty good family in the mix. Maybe you've got a crazy family like mine. Um, they say, you know, you can't pick your family. You can pick your friends. You can pick your nose, but you can't pick your family, right? Some of y'all aren't even paying attention. Um, <laughs> but you really don't get a choice in who, what family you're born into. That's just kind of the lot you're given in life. But that's not the case, is it, with Joseph? Joseph actually has a choice in this matter. Look again at Matthew chapter 1, verse 19. And look at what it says. This is what Joseph was planning to do. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce Mary quietly. Notice that's what he's planning to do here. Joseph obviously doesn't know exactly what's going on here, but he's found out that his, his 
bride-to-be is with child. Well, he knows it's not his child, and so he's going to quietly divorce his wife. When Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant, he has the choice to leave. And in that situation, he's, he, he would be right in the eyes of the law to leave and to do to, to make that decision. He's going to do it quietly. He's decided he's going to do it respectfully. He's not going to cause a scandal for Mary, but he's planning to distance himself from Mary and her child. But look at what happens when then the angel appears to Joseph in this dream that we just read. And look at the change in Joseph from verse 19 to verse 24. Look at verse 24. It says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. You see, Joseph chose to take Mary home as his wife. He chose to marry this woman who, despite the fact that she was already carrying a child, Joseph chose to make this child, who was not his child, to make him his own. And this church is a very big deal for a lot of reasons. This small detail that Joseph accepts Jesus and Mary as his family is really a, a big deal in the Christmas story. Let's look at the first reason why in your notes there. It says, through Joseph, Jesus was adopted into the family of David. Through Joseph... He's an integral part of the story. I, th I feel like sometimes we, we make Mary and Jesus the highlight, and Joseph is kind of just off to the side as this stepdad. But he's a big part of, of what God is doing in the Christmas story. Through Joseph, Jesus was adopted into David's family. And this was something that was foretold long ago. Look at what the angel says to Mary in Luke's gospel account of the Christmas story when the angel comes and appears to Mary, Luke 1, 32. He says, he will be great. This is the child who is to come through Mary. And he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. This was one of those prophecies of the Old Testament that he would come through the line, the Messiah of God would come through the line of David. This was predicted long ago, and the people knew that he would be of the tribe of Judah. He would be of the line of David. And how is it that Jesus comes from God to be in the family line of David? Let's look at what Matthew says about his genealogy. Uh, actually, in the verses previous, Matthew starts the book of Matthew with an entire from Abraham to Jesus genealogy. Let's take a look at just a couple verses. Verses 1 and 2 of Matthew 1. Matthew says, This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. And you can go through and read all those names and all those fathers and sons down through verse 16 where it says, 
and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus who was called the Messiah. You see, all these fathers and sons, and this guy was the father of, and this was his son, and he was the, this was his dad, and Joseph is not mentioned as the father of Jesus. He's got to step to the side and say, Joseph was married to Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, because Joseph is not Jesus' biological dad, and yet... There is Jesus in the genealogy of Joseph, from the tribe of Judah, from the line of David, and Jesus is brought into the family of David. The prophecy is fulfilled because, why? Because Joseph chose to adopt Jesus as his son. And it's more than that. It's more than just bringing him into the family line of David. Look at the next line. Joseph chose to adopt Jesus into his family. It's, it's one thing for this to be a God has planned this thing and this, uh, the, the angel appears to Joseph and the angel says, you know, you're going to be part of scriptural fulfillment here. You're going to bring in and usher in the Messiah, the one who has come to save the world. And yet, it's also a very personal decision that Joseph has to make because Joseph is bringing a child who is not his child into his own family. And let me say this, there are some of you here today who understand that. There's some of you who are step-parents to, to, to kids who are not your kids. And it's a different thing than loving and nurturing and caring for your own kids. And it's, a, it's an important thing. There are some of you who have adopted grandchildren that are not your kids, and you're raising them as your own. And I think there's hardly a better picture of what God has done for us than a mother and a father who would take kids that are not their kids and raise them as their own kids. Some of you are adoptive parents or foster parents who chose on purpose to go out and find kids who needed homes and give them a loving home. And I think that is a wonderful gift. And I think that is a picture of what God has done for us. Incidentally, April Cirillo is out in the Welcome Center today and she's got a table that's got some foster care information. She works with an agency through the state that deals with adoption and foster care. If you've got questions about that, April would love to talk to you about that if that's something that, that you're interested in. But I think that is a picture of what God has done. And it's interesting then that Jesus is brought into the world, that Jesus is God's plan to save the world, and he's brought to a man who chooses to adopt him as his own son. Look at verses 24 and 25 of Matthew 1. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he, Joseph, gave him the name Jesus. See, Joseph may not have been biologically related to the Son of God, 
But from this moment on, for all intents and purposes, Joseph served as Jesus's dad. He gave the boy his name, and he would serve as this child's provider and protector from here on out. We're not going to look at all the steps and all the pieces of the Christmas story, but I encourage you to, between now and Christmas, to read Luke's account, to read Matthew's account, and take a look at what Joseph's role was in this family. Later, the, the Lord would send another vision, would send another message to Joseph that Jesus was in trouble, that, that there were people trying to kill him, and Joseph would take the family to Egypt to escape that trouble. Joseph would travel with Mary, the child's mother, all the way to Bethlehem where the child would be born. Joseph would be there trying to find room in the end, trying to find a suitable place for the Savior of the world to be born. And from this moment on, when Joseph has this vision, when God says, I know it's not your kid, but I want you to be a part of his life, from that moment on, for all intents and purposes, Jesus was Joseph's son. And Joseph took care of him as he would his own son. In fact, look at how Luke begins his genealogy of Jesus. Luke's comes later, and it's a bit of a different genealogy, but before he starts with all the fathers and sons, look at what Luke says in Luke chapter 3, verse 23. Luke says, now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he, became, when he began his ministry. He was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph, the son of Heli. And then it goes through the rest of Joseph's genealogy. I think that line is very interesting. It was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph. Now, was Jesus Joseph's biological child? No, he was the son of God. He was the son of Mary. But for all, for, for all that anyone knew in that day, Jesus was Joseph's kid. Obviously, this pregnancy happened early enough uh, on in their relationship that Joseph goes and makes Mary his wife, and there doesn't seem to be any scandal about this. For everybody that would look on this family, what they would think is Joseph and Mary had a son, Jesus, and Jesus was Joseph's boy. And everything that was Joseph's belonged to Jesus, just like your kids belong to you. For, for the rest of his life, Joseph was Jesus' dad. And all that started because he chose to adopt this boy. Look at Luke chapter 4, verse 22. This is into the ministry of Jesus. This is when Jesus is talking uh, to a crowd. It says, all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. And look at the next line that it says there. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? See, that's one of the, the sticking points early in Jesus' ministry is the, the people who knew him. He went to Nazareth where he was raised, and the people that knew Jesus had trouble believing that he was who he said he was because they just thought, well, that's just Joseph's kid, right? That's the carpenter's son, 
because Joseph had completely brought Jesus into his family. As far as anyone in that day knew, Joseph was Jesus' father. While the truth of Christ as the Messiah was proclaimed by the angels to the shepherds and the wise men in that first Christmas story, it wouldn't be until much later in Jesus' life that his true father was revealed to those around him. Until the time of Jesus' ministry came, Joseph the carpenter served as the father of the Son of God because Joseph chose to adopt him as his own son. And this today, this picture of what God called Joseph to do in the story of Jesus' birth gives us today a picture of what God has done for us. And so now we're going to shift our focus and we're going to look at the text from Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to bring these two pictures, this Joseph picture from from Matthew chapter 1 and Paul's message to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to bring them together today. Because this is the story. You see, Christmas is much bigger than Luke 1 and 2. Christmas is much bigger than Matthew chapter 1. Christmas is much bigger than a baby lying in a manger. Because Christmas is what God had intended to do for his people all along. So let's look in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 through 10. And we'll see what Paul says God did for us. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship, through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. So today, the gift of Christmas is not just the gift of a child in a manger. That's how it was presented in Bethlehem. But the gift of Christmas is this. It's the next line in your notes. God chose to make you his child. This is the promise of Christmas. This is why despite all the things that Christmas has become, this is why the church should absolutely celebrate Christmas because Christmas, the gift of Christ at Christmas, is that God chose to make you his children. Look at what Ephesians 1 verse 5 says that we just read. It says, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure 
and will. Now, we get stuck on this word sometimes, right? This predestined, that he predestined, what it means is he chose in advance. But don't miss the other word. What did he, well, it's gone now. What did he (laughs) predestine us to? To adoption. Sometimes we miss that. We get caught up on the predestination part of this, but look at what God chose to do in your life. God chose to adopt you into his family. God chose that you would be his sons and his daughters in accordance with his pleasure and his will. I don't know about you, but that's better than any present that could be under the tree this year. Look at what Ephesians 1 verse 5 says this time in the New Living Translation. It's just said in a different way. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is the gift of Christmas. That God chose us. The reason for Christmas, the reason that God sent a Messiah into the world was to reconcile his people to himself, to fix what was broken by sin and to make us his family. Look at what John says in 1 John 3 verse 1. It says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And John says, and that is what we are. What great love has God lavished upon us that we would be allowed to be the children of God. You see, God did not simply send his son, the word made flesh, into the world to save us from our sins. Oh, he did that and so much more. Now, that would have been enough, wouldn't it? To save us from our sins, to to forgive our sin debt and redeem us from the death that we deserve. Wouldn't that have been enough for God to step in and do in our lives? And yet he did more than that. For he chose to adopt us into his own family. Look at what John says this time in John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Actually, you read this as part of your communion time this morning. It says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become, what is it, church? Children of God. Children born, verse 13 says, not of natural descent, not of human decision or a husband's will, but children born of God. And who is this promise for? What does John say here? Who are those who have been chosen? Those, he said, to all who would receive him and to all who would believe in his name. That whoever who would receive Jesus, whoever who would believe in the name of Jesus, God has made a way for you through Jesus to be a child of God. 
Not born of natural descent, of human decision, of a father's will, but born of God himself. Here's the interesting thing that Paul tells us. It's the next line in your notes. This plan of God, this was God's original plan. Look at what Ephesians chapter 1 verses 4 and 5 says. Paul says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Can your mind wrap around that? Do you understand that? He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in a in accordance with his pleasure and will. Before this world was made, church, God chose you. Think about that for just a second. Before anything that we know was created, God chose you in him to be his child. Look at verses 9 and 10 of Ephesians 1. Paul says, He made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment. And what is it going to do? To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In Jesus, God is restoring all things to Him. And Jesus, God decided, and he didn't have to, but God decided to make this mystery known to you. Even to Gentiles. Paul talks later about the the mystery being opened up to the Gentile world so that everyone who would believe on the name of Jesus, so that everyone who would receive Jesus as Lord and Savior would be brought into the family of God. This was not some plan B, Hail Mary at the last minute, what are we going to do kind of. This was God's original plan was to do whatever it took so that you would be part of his family. This plan was also, here's the next line, this also comes, it's bigger than we think, this comes with all the blessings of children. Now, we would all say children are a blessing to their parents, right? But think about what blessings come to children because of being born into their family. The child, just by being born, gets whatever is part of being in that family. Now, sometimes that comes with good and with bad. Sometimes we inherit things that we wish we didn't inherit. The older I get, the more and more I realize I look in the mirror and I I have a lot of my dad's traits in me. Some of those are good. Some of those, you know, not so good. And yet think about what a child receives by being born into that family. Everything that belongs to the parents belongs to the child. And that's what God has done in us. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. It says, praise be... To the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. 
God's adopting us into his family through his son, Jesus Christ, brings with it all the spiritual blessings that belonged to Christ himself. Now they're ours. Look at what Paul says in Romans about the same thing. Romans 8, 16 and 17 says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, what does that include? Now, if we are God's children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Church, God has given us every spiritual blessing in Jesus Christ, has granted us the chance to be part of his family. He has adopted us from our sin and our brokenness into the family of God. And with that comes all the blessings, the rights, the privileges, the honors that come from being part of that family. And church, I don't have to tell you, this is not something that you deserved on your own. This is not something that I deserved on my own. The gift of Christ at Christmas is one that you and I, in our sin, did not deserve. If it is here, it is here now through the unmerited favor of God. Think about it like a great big Christmas gift in front of your tree that I had Connie, thank you Connie, wrapped this week for me. Think about the gift of God that we've talked about, this idea that God wants you to be a part of his family, that God has done everything through his son to give you everything that comes with being a part of the family of God. Now, this is not a gift that you have because of something that you have done. This is not a gift that you ever were able to do anything to deserve on your own. This is a gift that came through the unmerited favor of God. That is grace. See, the, Amer- the, the amazing part of Joseph's story I think, is that he chose to be a part of all this. He chose to adopt this child who was not his own to take Mary, his wife, who was pregnant with somebody else's baby, as a part of this unbelievable, unfathomable promise of God so that through his family, Jesus would come to save the world. And then Joseph is a small picture of what God did for us in Christ. That God chose us before the creation of the world. Though we didn't have any rights to being part of his family, God chose us to be his sons and daughters to make us a part of his family. The last line in your notes today is this. This gift also requires a choice on our part. This gift also requires a choice on our part. You didn't earn it. This isn't under the tree because you did something good to deserve it. 
But there is a choice. Look at John 1.12 again. John says, yet to all who, what? Who did receive him. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. See, this gift is yours. This gift, let's say, is under the tree. This gift has been given to anybody that would receive Jesus. Anybody that would believe on his name, Scripture says, would receive not just salvation, not just forgiveness of sins, but the full rights of sons and daughters of Almighty God. But it's just like a regular Christmas gift. If that thing stays under the tree and you don't open that up, imagine it's a gift card to Chili's or somewhere. And that thing stays under the tree until it expires, what have you done? You've wasted the gift that you've been given. You've wasted the gift that you have been given freely for nothing that you did on your own because you didn't choose to accept it. And so today, that free gift of God is available to everyone. I'm going to ask Chad and the band to come out as we close today. And I want you to think about this gift. I want you to think about what Christ has done. You see, I think we put a lot of things on Christmas. <clears throat> we make a lot of, uh, uh, about the, the stuff of Christmas. We make a lot out of the traditions and the presents and the materialism and all of these things, we can't forget what's at the heart. We can't forget that what is at the heart of Christmas is that God did not have to be, did not have to make you his family, that God did not have to give you life, that God did not have to send his son, and he chose to send his son so that you could be his son, so that you could be his daughter, so that you could be a part of his family. But ultimately, the choice to accept that truth is yours. And John says that to whoever would receive Jesus, to ever, whoever would believe in the name of Jesus, Jesus makes you, Jesus gives you the chance to be a child of God. And so today, if you know God, then church, I hope we celebrate Christmas in a way that is profound, in a way that honors what God has done for us, in a way that celebrates the family that we now have in God. And today, if you don't know that promise, I hope you understand how much God loved you that God would choose to make you his family. It's a big deal to adopt a kid that's not your own kid. And God's done that very thing for all of us that would believe in his name. The invitation is open today as we stand and as we sing.